You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fatalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. First of all, sorry for that uh, random outro in the middle of the podcast yesterday. Reason number 5,324 why um, it would be nice if I didn't have a full-time job. I always find out about stuff like that at 9 o'clock when I'm at work, and it's like there's nothing, there's literally, it's, it's, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do, and that sucks. Okay. <laughs> What, what am I going to do? Nothing. There's nothing I can do. So I just have to leave that as though nothing happened and just be like, well, I guess, uh, I guess that's just a thing now. This is just a thing. And I could go back and edit it now, but it's like, you know, nobody's going to go back and listen to it. I mean, some people will, but it's not worth, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do it. So I'm just going to say sorry, and we'll leave it at that. No idea how that even happened. I don't even have a theory. Like, I, I thought, because usually I just grab the outro clip and drag it onto my podcast and then slide it to the end. I'm like, I must have slid it to where I thought the end was and something went wrong and it was, I got lost, confused. I don't know. But no, there's just a random additional outro just sitting there in its own little row. Like, (laughs) where did you come from? I don't know what's going on. But anywho, um, very quickly, there is some speculation that Kadarius Tony is also uh, now asking to be traded slash the Giants are trying or fielding calls for a trade. I don't really know. A lot of different conflicting reports about the situation, um, up to and including people claiming that uh, Kadarius has denied it. And he's like, no, you guys are full of it. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Do I think Kadarius Tony ends up a Green Bay Packer? I don't. Now, despite my reporting, uh, not really reporting, but my opinion uh, yesterday or the day before about the Packers just personality-wise, are not really going to like Tony very much. Apparently, they did. I don't know exactly where the report came from, but some people are claiming they were very high on him in the draft process last year. Now, it's very obvious that that could be smoke or whatever the case may be, a false rumor. I doubt it was from Brian Gutekunst. I don't know. I don't really care enough to look it up. The biggest reason is because I, 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 I haven't really changed my thought on this all that much. I think what makes the most sense is that teams are going to go through the draft first and see where they're at. By the way, I also stand on him not really having a great personality fit for the Green Bay Packers. Even if they weren't out on him during the draft process when they saw he was a little bit of a goofball, they now see a guy that's like a year in and not even a full year. The guy played weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 11, 16, and that's it. That's it. That's all he's done. And he had like... Two good games. And this guy's going to play the whole, eh, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. I want to be traded. I don't like this team. I'm not showing up to camp. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think you understand, um, K-Money, K-Tizzle. This isn't how it works. You don't get to play, like, he started one, two, three, four games. You don't get to start four games and then play the diva card, like, I'm too good for this, I'm going to call my shots. No, you you call nothing. And again, may, maybe he does, maybe this is going to be a thing. I mean, again, if you put your foot down hard enough and there's um, a GM that's trying to build in a different direction and a coach that just doesn't want to deal with his nonsense, they'd be willing to move on. And, and again, as much as the NFL shouldn't be setting a precedent of allowing this, there probably will be teams that are like, hey, I'll take whatever competitive edge I'll get and I'll take them. But it's stupid either way, and the Packers being somewhat of a um, notoriously high-character team that really care about the locker room and the culture and all that, I don't think Kadarius is the kind of guy they want here. Do I think he can play football? He's got some pretty good film. Slippery dude. He's kind of one of those uh, Traylon Burks-type guys, but really, he's six foot 193, so he's actually rather small. He's just kind of that style of player, I guess which additionally is sort of the problem. Um, He's a guy who works really well with manufactured touches. He's a big yards after the catch guy, and he primarily plays in the slot. So a lot of this is exactly my issue with guys like Traylon Burks. 
We don't need that. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice as an accessory, but we're not looking for accessories. You know, it's kind of like, what are those necklaces you get and then you can add gems to them or something? Like your kid's birthstones or whatever? I don't know. Not sure how that works. But we don't have a necklace right now, right? We're trying to get all these gems and accessories. We don't have the necklace to hang them on. We need a guy like Devante, and I'm not saying as good as Devante, but we need that guy that can be the main guy, and then we can work on the accessories. Now, granted, it would be nice if we just had a bunch of guys that could do a bunch of different things. That was one of the the notes that I mentioned was in the um, Bob McGinn wide receiver draft thing, which is true of every position, right? Ideally, same with defensive tackle, you get the two-way guys. They can pass rush and run stop. At wide receiver, it'd be nice if you get a Devante not just from a standpoint of being an X, but a guy that can do everything. I mean, he, he's, he's not really a straight-line speed guy. You could add that to the repertoire of a guy that would be nice to have. But the point is, a lot of the guys we're talking about are accessories. They can only do one or two or three of the however many things you ask wide receivers to do, which is a lot. Behind the line of scrimmage, short yardage, mid-range, deep target, red zone, you know, good route runner, great hands, speed, yards after the catch. And so, yeah, Kadarius checks a few of these boxes, and he's probably even pretty high-end. You look at a couple of those highlights of Kadarius, and it's like, whoa, that's that's crazy. But we're still only talking about him doing a couple things really, really well. Now, that doesn't mean he can't really evolve into something special. But again, I can't even get to that point yet because I'm looking at a rookie that got hurt and then decided, meh, I think I'm going to pull the diva card. Who who in their second year does that? I, I can't remember anybody ever doing that. And I just don't think that's exactly what the Packers want here. Of all the guys that they have available to them, and especially because he would probably be relatively expensive. I mean, you're not going to give up a first round pick for him, which is what he was drafted. He was drafted in the first round, but you're also not giving up a fifth round pick for a 23-year-old guy on a cheap rookie contract with a massively high upside. That is to say, unless there is just really low opinions of him, which in that case, that's not great either. And again, I don't see the Packers being the team that's going to roll the dice, right? If it is, let's say, a fourth or a fifth round pick for Kadarius because the NFL just views him as being that bad and a team that just took him in the first round is like, that's fine, give me the fourth, I don't want this guy. That's a really bad sign. And again, the Packers are usually not the team that's like, yeah, we're going to be the risky ones here. We're going to take that shot in the dark on a guy that's got some character issues. See his Dallas game, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards. Yeah, we're buying in on that, so... I don't know, man. And again, either way, I I don't think if anything happens, it's going to happen prior to the draft. It may, because there's always that thing about secure the position so that you don't have to be desperate in the draft. But what does it change? What are we doing? We're getting a a slightly better Amari Rodgers. How does that help us? We don't need that. We already have that. You know, I mean, it would be like, the heck would it be like? Be like getting a, a really, really, no, that's a bad example. It would be like drafting Tyler Linderbaum if we assume that Josh Myers and Tyler Linderbaum can only play center, right? Nobody's moving to guard. We're just replacing him. Like, what the heck are you doing that for? Well, he really wasn't that good, to be completely honest with you. Okay, but it's been one year. Like, and, and plus, it's kind of a waste of a pick because we've, we've already satisfied that. We have other needs right now. Josh Myers, uh, you know, re- replacing Josh Myers is not even on the to-do list. I don't know what we're doing here. Well, we just put it on. It's, it's an upgrade, so we'll take it in the first round. You know what I mean? It's, I just, I don't understand that. And again, that's, that's ultimately my issue with Traylon Burks as well is it's like, well, you know, he's kind of this uh, real good slot, get the ball in his hands and he gets stuff done after the catch type of guy. You got to manufacture his touches. You got to come up with creative ways to do all these different things. And, but, you know, maybe with a few years and some training and some route development and all that stuff, maybe he could be more than that. No, um, that's no. You never know. He could be Debo. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Eh, just no. <laughs> and I keep vacillating back and forth between really liking the guy. It's, it's because with all these prospects, we'll just, we'll just transition off of Kadarius. With all these prospects, especially this year, and that's, that's the craziest thing about this year in particular, everybody's got some serious red flags, but everybody's got some really high upside. When I look at Drake London, I see one of a billion different really tall wide receivers that everybody fell in love with that didn't really materialize. You know, I I see 
Mike Williams, who was taken 10th overall by the Lions. Kelvin Benjamin, first-round pick by the Carolina Panthers. You know, Michael Pittman, Doriel Green-Beckham, Devin Funches, Chase Claypool. And it's like, we've seen this before. The, you know, he's, it's not going to work. And then it's like, okay, but do you also remember Mike Evans? Like, I know you remember Mike Williams, but do you remember Mike Evans? Do you remember A.J. Green? Right? Mike Evans, 6'5", ran a 4.53. A.J. Green, 6'4", ran a 4.48. If we're saying this dude's tall, but he doesn't have blazing speed, neither did those guys. Do you remember Kenny Galladay, 6'4", ran a 4.5 at 6'4", 2.18? And so all of a sudden, it's like, well, okay, what if they are? And, and that's the thing that's really a killer about this, because I've, I've been on record talking about my issues with pretty much all these guys. But somebody's going to blow up. Somebody's going to be that one that is an absolute freak. And like I've said before, everybody, and this is going to be the most obnoxious thing in the world, everybody's going to say, you are an idiot if you didn't see that. Everybody could have seen that. I'm tempted to run to social media right now and be like, drop the list of guys that would make you say, duh, everybody knew that. If you're not going to drop them on the table now, I don't want to hear it later. Because the, the, the point is, the people that say that have a list of about 400 guys that they think are elite assuming that they're not just flat out lying to begin with. Because that's the thing. A lot of these guys have that, that up-end ability to where, yeah, once they succeed, it's like, well, yeah, I guess we should have seen that coming. Except you shouldn't have. Because everything that pointed to them being great are traits that somebody else had that wasn't great. So it doesn't automatically mean you're going to be great. Right? Traylon Burks, same thing. Like, how could he not be great? I don't know. How is LaVisca Chenault not great? Six foot one, two twenty-seven, 227, ran a 4.58. Six foot two, 225, ran a 455. Traylon Burks and LaVisca Chenault are almost identical twins. I loved LaVisca Chenault. I thought he would be a great pick for the Packers. I really liked that skill set, especially as a compliment with Devontae. I thought it would be great. Granted, he's a Jaguar. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But the point is, explain to me why he's not Debo Samuel. Michael Pittman, 6'4, 223, ran a 452. Another guy that's in the 220s, 225-ish, ran in the 45s. Another guy that was a second-round pick, another guy that is not, Debo Samuel. Laquan Treadwell, who was drafted by the Vikings in the first round, 6'2", 221, ran a 4.52. That was like the 2016 version, before this, like right before this became a very popular thing, Laquan Treadwell was that guy. What's he doing these days? How about Nikhil Harry, 6'2", 228, ran a 4.53. Same guy, first-round pick by the Patriots. What's he doing these days? By the way, Ty Montgomery, 6'2", 221, ran a 4.55, same guy. I'm not saying he's not a better version, but he's a better version of bad football players. Why do I care? Plus, Debo is 214 pounds, ran a 4.48. So it's not even the best comp in the world. I mean, it's, it's not terrible, especially when you talk about function, but he's a smaller, shiftier, faster guy. I didn't say he's small. I'm saying he's small. He's 10 pounds smaller. But again... That's the whole thing where if he blows up, I'm going to be like, I should have seen that coming. If he becomes that guy, if he just runs away from everybody, if he lines up you know, out wide and is doing just fine out there, you're going to have to hear the whole, you're an idiot for not knowing that, which is obnoxious, but it's, it's also, it's not just idiot fans, it's also in my own brain. Dude, why'd you spend so long just trashing this guy? He was super good. <laughs> you knew he was good. You watched him and you liked him. Remember when you watched them the first time and you fell in love with them, and then suddenly you just talked yourself out of it? Why did you do that? Why'd you do that, dude? Chris Olave. Man, I don't know. He's small. He's probably just like a really good number two. If he comes into the NFL and just dominates, he's like, why? You watched him. Remember you saw how good of a route runner he was? Remember all those times he got himself wide open and didn't get the ball because the quarterback was looking at the other two guys because Olave was like the number three on the team? How frustrating it was watching Olave because it's like, throw to him. He's open. Throw to the open guy. It's always a lava every time. Remember that? Remember you saw that and you really liked him and then you talked yourself out of it? Why did you do that? Jameson. We've already done the Jameson thing. We've gone down the list of four two guys that suck. But what if he is Devontae Smith? What if he is Tyreek Hill? Probably not. That's a borderline silly comparison at this point. Until there is a second Tyreek Hill, let's stop comping people to Tyreek Hill. Because I don't know if there's ever been another Tyreek Hill. It's very unique in that. But what if? Jordan Davis is a big one, getting off a wide receiver, right? I mean, you're talking about one of the most athletic, most freakish human beings on planet Earth. 
Again, according to RAS with their relative athletic score, which by the way, this is a great opportunity to use RAS. This is a, this is where one of those things where when you ask a question, RAS is the answer. Relative to his size, second freak, because it's, it's, as I've said before, RAS is really a freak score, which is awesome. I'm glad we have something out there that's a freak score. That's what it is. And he is the second highest freak score ever. If that dude is like Vita, an upgraded Vita Vea, like a better version of Vita Vea, I'm not going to say Aaron Donald because, again, I, that's, that's, that's in its own stratosphere. And it's also just a, a different position, right? He's not going to play every single down because he's just, that's not a thing. He's too big. He needs to come off the field. But again, if he is an upgraded, if he's even just Vita Vea, to be clear, I was an idiot. But he has the potential to be a better version of an elite defensive tackle who is Vita Vea. If he becomes that, it's certainly one of those, how did you not know that was going to happen things? But at this point in time, I don't think that's going to happen. Just saying, I just, I don't, I don't think so, but maybe, I don't know. So again, that, that is one of the most frustrating, but also exciting things in this draft class is it's so easy to talk yourself out of literally everybody in this class. I can talk myself out of almost everybody in the top five, if we can even agree on who the top five is, which we can't, which is another crazy thing about this draft. There is no consent. There's not even a consensus. Number one, somebody else, um, I think they were talking about Maybe the, the consensus thing that the, the athletic guy came out with, which, by the way, is completely redundant at this point. We have access to so much of it. But it's his thing, and he keeps doing it. Um, but there was something out there that they were looking at. The consensus number one is Aiden Hutchinson, which is obvious. However, the quote-unquote consensus is really only like 35%. That is to say 65% of the boards out there do not have Aiden Hutchinson as the number one. And, and there's such wildly different opinions on these guys. K- Kayvon Thibodeau. First of all, we can't even agree on how to say his last name. I refuse to say Thibodeau for the same reason I refuse to say Thomas. You can come out and tell me right now he says you pronounce it Thibodeau. I don't care. That's stupid and I won't do it. But beyond that, you have a lot of people saying he's, he, he's going to fall. He may fall out of the top 10. Um, character concerns, does he really love the game, maybe not as good a, as elite of a player. And you got other guys going, no, he is literally the best football player in this draft. It's not even close. And really, I, I was really low on him until this past season. He dominated this past season. And that's going way under the radar because everyone's just talking about, man, he doesn't really love the game. And Aiden Hutchinson's the big guy. He's the big... Kayvon Thibodeau, beyond... I mean, he had a Miles Garrett season last season. Everybody looked at him as like a Miles Garrett prototype, but he never put that production on the field, which is why I said, I don't care about his build. He's not that guy. And then he became that guy. And nobody cares. Like, man, I don't know. He could go, he could go as high as maybe two, but he could also fall to like eight or nine-ish. And, and again, no consensus out there. Some people are like, nope, he's going number one because he's by far the best. Sorry. And, and final thought on this before I get off this random rabbit trail that I found myself on. Because I am lost at this point. I don't know where I've come from, how I got here, or how I'm going to get back. But here we are. This is a great draft for the Packers. And I, I've, I said this a long time ago, but I, I'm going to reiterate it now. This is a fantastic draft for the Packers. Number one, because we draft late. And so if, there's, if it's a real top-heavy, like there's five super elite guys, and then it just starts to fall off from there. But that's not this draft class. If you told me there's going to be more hits in the second round than the first round, I'd be like, I believe that. I'm not saying it's the most likely thing, but it really wouldn't be that surprising because there's, it's just a pile of freaks that make you go, if they can, if they can take off, it's going to be great. And what do the Packers do? They draft freaks. They draft freaks and they develop them into good football players. They scout them. This is, this is their territory. This draft was custom built for the Green Bay Packers. This is their people, right? If you're a team that looks for that just sort of high floor, you know, stable, whatever, you're going to struggle in this one. You're not getting a lot of guarantees, a lot of sure things. You're taking swings. You got to identify which of these guys, because a lot of these guys are going to bust. They do one thing or two things really, really well. It's not going to translate to the NFL, and it's going to be like, you should not have even been drafted. You are garbage. (laughs) And some of these guys, first round, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, it is going to translate, even if it is just one or two things. If it hits in the, in the NFL, the only question is going to be, how in the world did you fall that far? Even if you got drafted at 22, the question will be, how in the world? I mean, it's similar to the Rashawn Gary thing. 
Dude fell out of the top 10. How? Well, his production in college, et cetera. And again, it's one of those, like, you guys are all idiots. How did you not see it? Well, did you watch his college tape? It wasn't very good. I know, but we're talking about generational talent here. Five-star recruit out of high school for a reason. Like, one of the highest recruited guys to come out of high school. This guy is untouchable in terms of his freakness. Guys his size don't move like Rashawn Gary. They just don't. It's not a thing. You teach him a couple pass rush moves, and you've got one of the most talented guys in, in, in the NFL coming off the edge. Packers bought into it. They, they identified the guy that's going to translate, that's going to be coachable, that's going to be teachable. Which, again, that's, that's why I'm all in on Trayvon Walker. It's not just a question of, is he a freak, but it's also, does he have that sort of, I'm, I'm going to keep picking on the guy because he's on my brain, does he have that Kadarius Tony mentality, or does he have a Rashawn Gary mentality? The guy's a Rashawn Gary, in my opinion. He may not be on the same tier as Rashawn in terms of being a, a, a loyal, dedicated, work-hard freak, but he's a worker. He, it's, it's in his DNA. It's what he does. It's what his family does. They are disciplined. They are hardworking, all that stuff. Now, it's going to blow up in my face if he gets that money and acts like an idiot, but I would bet on it. Maybe not as a rookie. It's one of those guys he's going to get drafted. He's going to struggle in his first year, and everyone's going to say, ha, ah, that was a stupid pick. Ah, you bunch of idiots. How did you not know that? He should he, look at his... Doesn't matter, dude. Not about year one with him. It's not about year one with him. So the, um, yeah, the, the, the Packers, and, and this is where we have to be patient with them. Because you can get excited about anybody they pick. You can also get bummed about anybody they pick. But with every single guy, it's going to be real easy to look at their upside and say, holy cow. I watched a ton of Daxton Hill. I've been, I've been, real, I've been crushing real hard on these safeties. I'm not going to lie. I've been watching a ton of Jalen Petrie. I, and Lewis Seen was always my favorite of the, of the guys. And I think it was Bukowski on Twitter made some kind of an analysis of these three guys that I thought was pretty much spot on. I don't remember exactly what he said. But it was something to the effect of like, Daxton Hill is the makes the most sense for the Packers. He's the most athletic, most of this, that, or the other. He checks all those boxes. Jalen Petrie is probably the best just player, which I, I kind of highlighted that yesterday. As far as all the stats and everything, I mean, he, he is ranked the highest of all these guys in all these categories. But Lewis Seen is probably the one-to-one replacement for Adrian Amos. And I think that's not only true, but that's why I really, really like him. He's a guy that plays safety really, really well, but then also is the guy that makes a play on fourth and one behind the line of scrimmage somehow. Like, what are, what are you doing? Where did you even come from? Aren't you supposed to be back there? What is wrong with you? <laughs> How did you get up here? But yeah, I was watching, I was watching a lot of Daxon yesterday, and I'm, I'm, I am such a big fan of his. Such a big fan. And, and he makes sense for the Packers because, again, 4-3 speed. So he's that guy that's he, he's, he's going to play some safety, and then when there's three wide, he's going to drift up into the slot. And a bunch of times, he's going to fire off and go after the quarterback. And he's real good. And he's real fast. But I think my favorite thing about Daxon, again, just we're just doing rabbit holes today. He's really smart. He really is. His ability to read and identify what's going on with this offense and not bite on the nonsense is really, really impressive. Just taking really smart angles. There was a, there's a guy, if you just type in Daxton Hill, there's probably a, a you'll see the YouTube video. But he highlighted a couple different things, um, and it's it's you'll identify really complex things, and he just he acts like it's so second nature to him. He's not even thinking about it. There was one play where they were trying to pick him, and he ran between the wide receiver and the other defensive player, and didn't even slow down. Like there was no hesitation, no stutter step, no juke, and ju- he ran like they weren't even there. It was like a glitch in a video game. Like he ran through them. It, I, it, it's a little thing, but it's like that was really impressed. And he just kept on running. Like it didn't phase him at all. Then there was another highlight of basically they ran two plays that look identical, right? This is what the NFL loves to do, especially the Shanahan type guys, right? Run plays that look the same, but ultimately something happens different and it's a different play. And I think the first time they ran it, they're trying to bait him into, into coverage. And he just kept his eyes in the backfield. He knew something was coming and he blew it up. The second time he drops into coverage. Like, why did you drop that time? He identified something is different and he just knew. He knew that, 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 you know, in this spot, I'm going to drop. And, his, and it's one of those things, too, where it's, you know, straight line speed is one thing, but it all starts up top, right? That's where speed starts, up top, between the ears. And if you've got a, a guy that can identify quickly and runs 4-3-8 or whatever he runs, now you're talking really, really, really true, at, true top-end speed. Because, first of all, he's standing in the right spot, Right. If, if you're not too smart and you're kind of just drifting, drifting, drifting because you didn't really identify something, it's great you run four, three, five, but you're 10 yards from where you could be. And then if you're two seconds too slow in identifying what the play is, 
you're not only five to 10 yards off from where you should be, you're two seconds behind, right? That's, that's where I would take a guy that can identify everything really, really well and runs four or five over the guy that doesn't know what he's doing and runs a four two eight. Because it's not even going to be close who gets there first. But again, you get a guy that can identify, that can read, that can react, that knows where to be, that, that can react quickly. I know exactly what you're doing. As soon as that quarterback's arms start drifting, I know exactly what's going on and I'm breaking up. And then you add the 438 on top of it. That's just the cherry on top, but oh, is it a sweet, sweet cherry. But yeah, I mean, Daxon, Seen, and Petrie, I'm, 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 I'm all over it. I'm a little bit lower on Petrie um, personally, and also I think the Packers would be the lowest on him. Just when you look at the, the function and the, the actual speed, I mean, he, he runs in the 4.4s, four and I know, again, it shouldn't matter all that much, but it, you can kind of see it. There were a couple times he's chasing the quarterback, and it's like, come on, come on, go, 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 get him. What are you doing? It just felt like he's not really closing. He got there, but it just, you know, you compare that to Daxon Hill sometimes, it's like, holy cow, he got there in like a second. It's, it's not just the difference, because I, I, I promise you, you show me the tape between guys that run 4-4-4 and 4-3-8, I'm not going to tell the difference. But I, I think you can see it between these two. The, the gameplay speed is evident to me between these two. So again, don't know how we got here, but I'm, I, am, I am becoming really, really high on these safeties. I think it's getting to be one of those things where they make more sense than wide receiver, even if it's not as big of a need. But again, we are, as fans, generally way too obsessed with need. All we care about is need, but if, if you get stuck on need, you're never going to enjoy the draft because you and the Packers have very different boards and they're not going to draft from your board. Your board is a list of wide receivers, right? <laughs> That's it. At the top are five wide receivers and you are not allowed to touch any other position until all these receivers are gone. And even then, you know, there's like one edge rusher and then two more receivers and then maybe another two edge rushers and then two more receivers. Like that's your board. That's the Packer fan board. That's not the Green Bay Packer board. In fact, before we take a break, I want to highlight something that I put on Twitter yesterday just to give you some context of um, reality, I guess. But it all kind of started, JJ had sent me something that he put on Twitter and um, he was just kind of going through his musings of the wide receiver situation and the Packers situation. And his essential conclusion was if the Packers want a top receiver, I think they're going to have to trade up for one. I'm not sure the guys that are left over are worth taking. And I was kind of thinking the same thing. So here was my response to what he had said. I said, this is sort of where my head is at. If I told you in round one, I need a guy that's an every down player. Now that means different things for different positions, but I'm kind of excluding the two down defensive tackles. I'm excluding the number two wide receivers and the the guys that are just speed or just this or just that. I'm talking about a fully well-rounded X receiver. I'm talking about a defensive tackle that can rush the passer and stop the run. I'm talking about an edge rusher that can play today and rush the passer. And, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I need an every down player that can be a number one guy um, at the position with the potential to be an elite player at a premium position, right? So I can depend on you. You're a well-rounded guy. You have high upside right? In other words, you can be a premier edge rusher. You can be a premier safety. You can be a premier corner. You can be, not that I know you will be, that's not a thing. But if you don't have that ceiling, what are we talking about here? If there's not a path in my mind to you becoming an elite player, what are we talking about? And I wanted to say, so who are we really talking about? Not many guys. I continued on from there. I said, let's actually dig into it. I said, I tried to answer the question. If you take the top 100 prospects, which is a lot, Remove the lower value position. So you remove running back, linebacker, tight end, interior offensive line. Remove anybody with an RAS under nine. Again, the Packers do not draft guys that have under a nine, the one exception being Jordan Love. Remove players that are 23 and older. Right? Again, let's just, let's just say what is the ultimate Packers prospect. And remove players that have an injury history. I also got rid of quarterback because I'm just not doing that. I'm left with 10 guys, and I, also, I, I got rid of a couple that we're not going to get, like the Aiden Hutchinsons, et cetera. Two of those 10 are offensive players. So out of the top 100, two offensive players, one of them is a wide receiver. There's one wide receiver that fits that criteria, one, and he's not a first-round guy. Here is the full list. Daxton Hill, 21, 903 RAS. George Karloftis, 21, 92. Nick Benito, 22, 935. Logan Hall, 22, 939. Trent McDuffie, 21-948. Kyler Gordon, 22-969. Josh Paschal, 22-969. Alec Pierce, 20-22, basically, 982. 
Lewis Seen, 22992, uh, and Trevor Penning, 22995. Uh, excuse me, 22996. So we've got safety, edge, edge, defensive tackle, corner, corner, edge, wide receiver, safety, tackle. That's the full list. And then, then you can even whittle this down. Some of these guys are not going to be first-round picks. I don't think Alec Pierce is a first-round pick. Maybe he could surprise, but I don't think that's going to happen. Josh Paschal, I don't think it's going to be a first-round pick. Maybe Nick Benito, but I don't think so. But even so, let's just remove those two. We have eight guys, and only one now is a first-round pick, and I don't know if Trevor Penning makes it to us. So we might scratch him off the list. So now we're talking about Daxton Hill, George Karloftis, if we talk about legitimate potential first-round guys, Logan Hall, defensive tackle, and if we're not talking cornerbacks, uh, we're left with... Lewis Seen. That's it. We could talk quarterback, but I'm just, I'm really just trying to whittle this down to what seems the most realistic. Daxton Hill, George Karloftis, Logan Hall, Lewis Seen. Four. Everybody else has some kind of an issue. We're either talking about a cornerback, quarterback, linebacker, ed- 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 um, running back, whatever. Position that they're probably not going to take. We're talking about guys that are injured. We're talking about guys that are old. Or we're talking about guys that don't have that premier athleticism that the Packers want in the first round. It's not a very big list, is it? And it's definitely not the list that you keep seeing or, or creating for yourself, where the list is, you know, uh, you know, if we call this the Packers top 10 list, what, what are Packer fans top 10 lists? It would be, you know, Garrett Wilson, uh, Drake London, maybe Jordan Davis, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, um, Traylon Burks. I don't even know after that. It's going to be a combination of a, maybe a couple edge rushers, a couple safeties, and that's about it. But there's, there's who on my list, or you know, the presumed Packers list, is on the Packers fans list. I'm not sure Daxton Hill's top 10. He could be. Karloftis, maybe. Some people like him, some people can't stand him. He probably is. Benito is not. Logan Hall is not. Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon are not. Pascal is not. Pierce is on the list. I don't know if he's top 10, though. Seen maybe, penning maybe. And, and, and it's that incompatibility. And the reason I bring this to you is because we need to be focused uh, off of what the media has been telling us and off of what, this is why mock drafts at this point are starting to make me cringe because they're all the exact same. Every single one looks the exact same. And we get into this point where we, we feel like we've settled on what the Packers have to do. And we've honed it into about four picks they're allowed to make. And it's setting us up for disappointment. And I'm not saying this is the Packers list. I'm just saying... This is what, if we're trying to guess what they're doing, this is the procedure we should do, and this is the list that we should have come up with. This is at least the kind of thing we should be preparing ourselves for, but we're not. We're not doing that. We're preparing ourselves for disappointment or or setting ourselves up for disappointment. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break, and on the other side of it, I want to come back and maybe provide a little bit of context to some of the stuff I was talking about yesterday. I had a couple different people reach out about something similar to that. in other words, I, I gave you prospects and I gave you numbers, but I don't know exactly what the numbers mean. So I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit. Uh, please remember to help out with Drew to get his seizure service dog. Thank you very much to Jana for the $25 donation yesterday. We're getting there. We're slowly, slowly getting there. You can find that one pinned to the top of my Twitter. And then pinned to the uh, top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, you'll find Jamie and Carter's Accident Fund. Um, haven't had any hits on that in nine days. So I'm hoping we can really ramp this thing up here. I know most of you that are listening have probably already given. So it's like, I've done my part. I get that. I respect that. I'm talking to the guy next to you. And again, if you can't give, it would be a really awesome thing. If you could just jump on there and share it, just find it and uh, share it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, wherever you can, just to see if we can, um, if we can finish it. We're, we're almost done with the Jamie and Carter accident fund. Again, if you don't know, uh, Jamie was in a car accident with her one-year-old middle child, and they were struck head-on. They had to be uh, taken flight for life to the hospital. Haven't had any recent updates on their situation, but um, we are trying to help raise $10,000. we are very, very close, and again, would love to just be able to uh, get this one closed out, largely because I'm very strongly considering starting a GoFundMe for myself. It's very self-serving, but it's also like there's there's nothing more important that could help this podcast more <laughs> than if I started one. Um, and so I, I might do it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in obsession mode. I, I almost just pulled the trigger and bought it yesterday. And I was like, wow, you, you almost got yourself good and divorced there. Well done. You're just going to throw around $1,300 on something. That's, uh, 
that's scary. So I'm just I'm just in that mode where I'm about to do something dangerous. So I I might need a little bit of help. We'll see. Might be slapping that together together later today. And if I may do a minor sales pitch, if you want this podcast, if you listen to this podcast regularly and you want it to go to the next level, and I'm talking next, next level because I'm in super nerd out mode and I've got all kinds of things that I want to build and stuff that we can do for the regular season, for the draft. And I just figured out exactly how. I've been trying to figure this out for years and I'm like, there is no perfect formula. I figured out the perfect formula to figure out how to grade GMs in their drafting. I figured it out. I got it. I nailed it. I need your help though. I need the data. Oh, I can do so much. Oh, I got chills. All right. Uh, Amodernfrontier.com. The place to get the meat. (laughs) I'm not a slogan guy. I don't know. It's not my thing. But yeah, if you want a uh, big old box of meat delivered to your door at a very reasonable price, check out amodernfrontier.com. A lot cheaper than you're going to find in a lot of other places. And use promo code MEATPACKER, that's one word, all caps, and you will get $25 off that already cheap uh, offer deal, uh, meat box thing. We'll take a break, we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Okay. So I did want to move on to other positions, but I just really quickly want to provide some context here. So for example... One of the biggest things that we looked at was their total points per game, total points per route, those kinds of things. Total points per route kind of is is the best in terms of like a metric that I think makes the most sense. The problem is they set it up to where there's literally nine guys with 99s and there's uh, 13 guys with 98 or higher. So it's kind of a kind of meaningless, but um, the highest total points per game, if we just look at it, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, David Bell, Jahan Dotson, and Drake London. No, it's giving me a hard time. Let's let's kick over to quarterback just for the sake of illustration. If we look at total points rating per play, Carson Strong is number one with 94, it says. If you look at points earned per play, how does that rank in terms of other quarterbacks? If we look at last year and this year, Carson Strong is seventh. Now, as far as guys from last year, the only guy that's higher who's second is Kyle Trask. But you've got C.J. Stroud, Kyle Trask, Bryce Young, Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toon, Talia Tagovailoa, and then Carson Strong. So a couple things to note here. Number one, as I've said before, when you sort by this list, is this giving you the best sorting of, you know, best to worst? Not really. I mean, CJ Stroud being at the top is awesome, but you got Kyle Trask being number two. Eh. Then Bryce Young, awesome. But but this is kind of telling me two things. Number one, this points earned per play. I'm not sure it's the greatest metric in the world, number one. And number two, comparing Carson Strong to the field in this metric, not super great. If you look at, for example, points above average or points above average per play, you've got Bailey Zappi, I think is how you say his name, that's the highest on this list from this draft class. However, he's seventh overall. Positive play percentage, Bailey Zappi is, is the highest of the list. He's third overall, which is actually quite impressive. You've got C.J. Stroud, then Kyle Trask, then uh, Bailey. I'm just going to call him Bailey. 
just seems weird to call them zappy. There are a couple other things to note here, though. Regardless of how good or bad these metrics are, which, by the way, positive play percentage, it might not be the most perfect in terms of if you sort it, it gives you... In other words, it's not a one-to-one, but is it a valuable metric? Of course it is. Of course it is. Now, you might not have a perfect list for various reasons, right? There might be certain flaws. There are certain people that are really good in this metric that are not good overall because they fail in other areas. But it's still an important metric, like running ability. Malik Willis dominates that. Is that useless information just because if I sort by their rushing ability, it doesn't give me the best list? No, because it's not the one metric that is a perfect one-to-one to how good you are. There are very few of those metrics. It is an important metric, but it's not going to give you a very good sorting of it. It's a component that does matter, but it's, it's, not, it's not such a big metric that it's going to give you a very good list. In fact, it's going to give you a garbage list. The other thing to point out here, though, is all these have some value, and you're seeing some correlations here. First of all, Kyle Trask just dominates all the categories. So <laughs> I, mean, I remember when I had my list, he was relatively high. I don't know where he, he might have been like third highest or whatever. Um, but there's, there's reason for that, because for whatever his flaws, he dominates most of the metrics, seemingly. Um, number two, Bailey is also that guy. Bailey might be the Kyle Trask of this season, which may, maybe Kyle Trask is still a good football player. We just haven't seen him yet. The other thing to note here, though, it's quite clear, at least at quarterback, that this draft class is not on the same tier as, first of all, the guys that are in college right now, right? I, I think we know, uh, pending any kind of massive drop-off, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be better quarterbacks than anybody that, you know, was drafted this year. And there may be more. I guess we'll have to go in-depth on that a little bit more at a different date when this stupid thing actually works. Might have to postpone that whole GoFundMe thing. <laughs> Literally the second I said that, it started working. <laughs> but not for receiver, which is the one I want. Anyways, the, the, there is a larger point here, though, although I can't provide specific context at this exact moment. The, the specific point is, and, and I, it kind of folds into what we've been talking about this whole time, just because you are the first, second, third, fourth best wide receiver doesn't mean you in any way compare to the first, second, third, fourth best receiver last year, the year before, the year before that. And so again, when we look at a linear board and we say this is the, there is a wide receiver that is the 19th best player on a consensus board out there somewhere, which that in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. Um, the 19th best player in this draft might be as good as like the 41st player on last year's draft. That might be an extreme example, but that's maybe what we're talking about here. And so you got to wonder a little bit. I mean, if nothing else, it's a thought experiment. Let's say that is the case. Let's say there is a really big drop off. And if you look in the 20s, and I'm, I'm kind of getting to this point personally, it has nothing to do with the Packers, but personally, I'm getting to the point where when you look from 20, between 20 and 28, there's not a lot of guys I'm massively in love with. And so there's a couple different questions here. Number one, does it make sense in this instance to trade up? Generally, I don't like that. But if there's 10 guys that you love and a couple of them are available around, you know, the 8th, ninth, 10th pick, and let's say we can get up that high, wouldn't it make sense to get that guy as opposed to sitting back and waiting for someone that you don't think is really going to pan out, that doesn't meet all the criteria, that doesn't check all of the boxes? Let's say there is one wide receiver that is worth it, that is, that is a legit wide receiver one, in, according to your board, and that's Garrett Wilson, and he's sitting there at 10. Drake's not the guy, Jamison's not the guy, Olave's not the guy. And this is the other problem with people doing mock drafts. They'll say things like, why would you trade up for Garrett at 10 when you can get Jamison at, at 15? Or, or you could have Traylon fall to you at 22, the value's just better. That's not the point. The point is, I'm not leaving this first round with somebody that's not worth a first round pick. Traylon Burks might be 22nd on the list or 25th or 28th or whatever, but I don't want him. I don't want him. He doesn't add to our team. I'm, again, this is just an example, let's just say. So it doesn't matter what, what his value might be. He's not the right fit. He's not the guy that's going to get us over the hump. So getting a wide receiver that's just kind of eh, and you know, a Jabo, a injured number three edge rusher that maybe in year three is going to like blow up, or go get the Justin Jefferson of this class. Is that even worth the conversation? And again, that's why we can't really talk about what's the best thing to do. Should we trade up? Should we trade back? Because I don't know what they think. They might be massively in love with all these wide receivers and Jordan Davis and 
you know, um, you know, the linebackers and, and Karloftis and Penning and Linderbaum and Devontae Wyatt, they're all in on, and they love Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. And so they, they're looking at this going, no way in the world, if anything, we're going to trade back from 22 because there's just a plethora. But just as a thought experiment, wouldn't it make sense to either trade up or trade back? Or, right, that's assuming that that's just the situation where that's just kind of a dead area. The other thing, and this is why I'm starting to fall in love with these safeties, that's why in my mock drafts you're starting to see me go Daxton Hill, Jalen Petrie, um, Seen, Lewis Seen out of Georgia, is because it, even if, it's also part of the reason why I think George Pickens makes more sense than some of these other wide receivers, because again, it's just about box checking, and I don't really think George Pickens is a great pick. I think he's a great wide receiver, but there's injury issues. There's off the field issues. I don't know if the Packers are going to be super in on that guy, but he's the guy that checks all the boxes. He's the guy that, although he doesn't have the elite traits like a lot of these guys in the first round do, he's the guy that if somebody's going to be that number one X receiver, that that next Devante, whatever, it's I'm looking at George Pickens. There's maybe a, a lesser likelihood that he gets up there because there's bigger question marks and whatever else the issue is. He doesn't have the elite speed like a lot of these guys. He doesn't have the build like Traylon Burks does. He doesn't have this, that, or the other thing, the separation like Jahan Dotson does. But to a lesser extent, he has all of that. And so I look at George Pickens and I say that makes sense. I look at Tyler Smith and say it makes sense. I look at Logan Hall and although I don't know how good of a run defender he is, kind of makes sense. Jalen Petrie is a guy that I think does everything. I think he is a top-tier player that checks that one big box that says, can this guy be a really, really good starter? Does this guy have the potential to be that guy that is the tone setter for the defense? The guy that we're thinking, oh, crap, we got a big contract coming up. For example, um, Travis Jones. I like Travis Jones. I don't think Travis Jones is ever going to be that massive contract guy. I think at his best, he's going to be a dominant run defender that's a, a... better than average pass rusher for a nose tackle. I'm not talking like 10 sack seasons. I'm just talking about for a nose tackle, maybe he's getting like eight or nine, maybe even 10% pressure rate as a massive nose tackle. But just that's the whole relative thing, right? Relative to a nose tackle, he's a good pass rusher. Relative to a defensive tackle or a defensive end or whatever you want to call it, not the greatest. But that's where you start to see the top of the second round. Guys just make a lot more sense to me. You know, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Chris Olave, the small number two wide receiver, Traylon Burks, the big slot guy, Andrew Booth, the corner, Tyler Linderbaum, the center, Devontae Wyatt, the 24-year-old with a rap sheet, Zion Johnson, the guard, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker, Kenyon Green, the guard, Kair Alam, the corner. But then you get into Daxton Hill, Louis Seen, Boye Mafe, Arnold Ebicady, Jalen Petrie, Tyler Smith. George Pickens, even Jaquan Brisker, throw him in the mix. And so I I really think I'm settling on the point that although it's entirely possible, especially if a guy like Drake London falls, which I don't think is going to happen, but there's so many, again, like I said in the beginning, there's so many conflicting reports. I've heard that he won't make it out of the top 10. I've heard that he's now falling into the 20s. Nobody has any idea. But if he makes it, could the Packers pull the trigger? I think so. I think he checks enough boxes that they may take a flyer on him. I mean, I don't really know of any boxes he doesn't check other than the one big box that I can't see, which says we think he's going to be a good wide receiver in the NFL. I don't know if they check that box or not. I don't know the Packers' opinion of him as a wide receiver. But a lot of these other guys, I just don't think so. Jamison Williams, I got big question marks about that. Again, I think they would love a guy like Jamison Williams, but in the first round, a guy that, I again, I think is just speed. I know you all disagree. I think he's just speed. And I think you're trying to convince yourself he's more than speed because you want a guy with speed so badly. It's the same reason why guys like Jamison Williams end up going first, despite the fact that they're almost never the best actual wide receiver. They're just the fastest guy. And they're all, you know, um, the heck was the guy that I keep talking about? He ended up going before a lot of the other wide receivers who were better than him. Alabama guy, he's in prison, that guy. He went way earlier than everybody thought because he's fast and everybody convinced themselves, oh, he's really good at other stuff too. It turns out, no, he's just fast. Again, Jordan Davis, just a run defender. So, I mean, there's just, there's just for me, becoming a big question about this range not making sense. You've got a bunch of positions, linebackers and guards and centers and corners that just don't really fit for me. Karloftis makes sense. Otherwise, in this entire range, almost nobody. From the list I'm looking on, after Drake London at 13, Jordan Davis, no. Jamison Williams, no. Chris Olave, no. Kenny Pickett, no. Devin Lloyd, no. 
Trent McDuffie, no. George Karloftis, yes. Trevor Penning, yes. Traylon Burks, no. Andrew Booth, no. Tyler Linderbaum, no. Devontae Wyatt, no. Zion Johnson, no. N'Kobe Dean, no. Kenyon Green, no. Kyer Alam, no. Then you get to 30. Daxton Hill, yes. Again, I don't know that these are no, but they're all guys that, for me personally, based on either position, based on, you know, again, Devontae Wyatt with his age and his rap sheet, which I'm just finding out about is pretty extensive and pretty bad. I haven't fully dug into it, so I don't want to address it here today So because I don't actually know, but there's some serious allegations there. But I, I just don't love this range. And again, I don't even know if Drake London is a guy that they like. If not, then no at 13, no at 12 at Malik Willis, and you go all the way back to Jermaine Johnson at 11. Potentially from 12 through 29, there's two guys, Karloftis and Penning. And again, Penning's supposedly going around 14-ish. And Karloftis could clearly go earlier too. I don't know if either of these guys are available by the time we get to 22. And so again, in summary, my thought is kind of leaning toward, assuming the Packers have any agreement with what I'm saying, I see either trade up and get that guy or trade back, or we're just going to be shocked because they're going to end up taking guys that we assume are second round picks, but in their mind, they're not. In other words, we don't have to trade back because it's a great value at 22. That Those types of guys for me are the Daxton Hills, the Lewis Scenes, the Jalen Petries, and potentially you got the 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 Mafes, the Ebby Cades, right? It's it's the list of corners and edge rushers that are seen as early to mid second round picks. And so bigger picture, what I'm saying is Packer fans are gonna be mad at this draft. I have a feeling. I just I just I I know I shouldn't say it because they end up taking Traylon Burks and it's like, what well, was all that talking about it and they end up taking him anyways. But I just, I cannot get myself to see the vision there. I can't. I'm trying to talk myself into these guys, and I can't do it. Wyatt, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, N'Kobe Dean, Traylon Burks, Devin Lloyd, Jamison Williams. I want Jordan Davis. I want so desperately to love these guys, and I just don't see it. When I put on the Green Bay Packers goggles, I'm going, "Mm, no, I don't think so. Would I be excited? Sure. I always love these athletic linebackers, these freak guys. I always would love to add them, but the Packers never do. And they're usually right, because as I've said, very few first-round linebackers ever pan out. It's usually a complete waste of a pick. But still, I like it. But I just I just don't see it. So anyways, a little disappointed I wasn't able to talk about what I wanted to talk about. Um, but I do have to get going. My son has a football game. My daughter has a soccer game. So we got to get going to that. And I got a sweet new uh, camera. I'm planning on doing some video content. I just got to figure out exactly what it is I want to do. I got to play with this camera a little bit more. So I'll get get a chance to, to get some content going today. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a great day. Hopefully tomorrow we can cover a little bit more of this. But otherwise, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.